or the, the fact that we're currently applying a drug across our entire bloodstream to affect certain parts of the body is just going to seem completely barbaric. Podcast Junkies, lucky episode number 13. Hello and welcome to the weekend, assuming you are in the States. And uh, if you're not and you're in a time zone ahead of me, then you have started the weekend already, which is awesome. So how's it going? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. So today's guest came about from uh, a connection through a mutual forum we're on called Dynamite Circle. You folks have heard me mention this and you're going to hear me mention it in today's call again. So apologies for that. But Jesse Lawler, uh, his nickname, by the way, you'll hear me reference it, is Jesse the Dominator Lawler. And I think it's uh, a reference to how hard he works. He's got his own app development company. And why I was interested in him is because he started a podcast called Smart Drug Smarts. And he's just fascinated by the the topic of nootropics. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's uh, brain uh, enhancing supplements that uh, are for the most part legal. um, And uh, they're very interesting topic. And I've I've read a lot on several other forums about their benefits. And there's a whole range of them and they fall into different classes and they, they all do different things. I myself have tried um, paracetam, which is the main ingredient in a supplement called True Brain. I've also had really good results with Alpha Brain, which is uh, created by the folks at Onnit, and I heard about that through the Joe Rogan podcast. So I'm a big fan of these, and along with uh, Bulletproof Coffee, which I've tried as well and and rave about, I, I think these uh, all these. Uh, nootropics or all these brain enhancements or enhancing uh, substances, I think um, are a good thing. And and for folks that need to um, get a lot done or focus and concentrate, I've found these to be invaluable. So I'm continuing to learn and I'm really happy to have a podcast like Jesse's that can keep me up to date with things that are happening in that field. So I was happy to finally get him on uh, to have a quick chat about what he's doing with the podcast, some of the the challenges and surprises he's had with guests, and what he's got coming up um, in the in the coming weeks. So um, I felt like I had to have my A game when I'm talking about uh, neuro, uh, neurology and uh, brain supplements and all that when I'm talking to to Jesse, which is a good thing because you always want to feel like you you are bringing your best when you're talking to your guests, and I always make it a point to do that when I'm talking to my guests, but I felt like especially with this topic um, and and with Jesse, uh, I was more acutely aware of that. So enjoy the conversation. So Jesse Lawler, uh, thank you for uh, coming on to Podcast Junkies. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. So for the folks listening, I, I repeat this ad nauseum. I'm in a couple of different masterminds, one of uh, which is the Dynamite Circle. And uh, Jesse and I are, are both part of that. And I myself have gotten a lot of out of, out of it, uh, this interview notwithstanding. But I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people doing a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, and and that's how I, I got introduced to some of the things Jesse was doing and with his Smart Drugs podcast. 
I just dove right in and I, I today just finished up the last couple of episodes. So, um, it, I, I thought you were going to say, I just dove right in and I've taken all the drugs I could find. <laughs> yeah, that could be another route you could take, right? I, I, I do take, I, I've been taking true brain and I know you have, oh, yeah. 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 So I know you had the folks from there on and, uh, it's an interesting world. And I think, uh, one of your last talks with the, the guy who did, uh, the Siltep stack. Yeah. Um, Abelard Lindsay. Abelard. Yeah. He was talking about the longest, long, I, I never know if I'm pronouncing this right, but the longevity, long, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's longevity. It's a combination of, uh, I guess, longevity, the word and yes. then city, but yeah, it kind of defies uh, pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was following that for a while and then my head started to hurt because they started talking about the, um, the different combinations of, um, drugs, the racetams, the nootropics. And I was like, I got to try that. But it, it's almost like a chicken or the egg. I'm like, I have to t take the actual nootropics first so I can figure out what the hell these guys are talking about. Boy, there's a lot of truth <laughs> to that. Yeah, people can really geek out in there. And I mean, I feel like it, you know, any sort of subculture gets its own lingo and stuff like that. It's like if you talk to like wine snobs, they can just tell you yes. things about wine that are so completely obscure that you're like, you, you can taste like the hickory from 6,000 molecules away or I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but I think people are like, it's like the people that work in the, like these perfumeries or these um, fragrance houses, apparently they're like blessed with like these superpower olfactory nerves. And that's how they end up there because they can apparently smell things that the majority of humans can't. And I guess it's the same, yeah. the same thing. Um, you know, if, if you have that high sense of, of, of smell, then that's, that's the work you're, you're cut out for. Right. Although hopefully the same isn't true of nootropics, that it's only the people that are particularly attuned to their inner workings of their own brain that can benefit. Because then it would be kind of like a you know, self-licking ice cream cone. <laughs> I had a feeling that this conversation was going to make my head hurt. So uh, well, I guess that'll be <laughs> the first of many, uh, co uh, what was it? Uh, Zen cones, you'll be uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. One hand clapping, one all hand that. clapping. Yeah. So, when is this just a kind of like a labor of love for you? I know you you've got a, a a background in technology and filmmaking and graphic design, and uh, you've got your own um, app company as well. And yeah, so you've been you've been heavily into the. Um, technology world for many years now you've even won a couple of webby awards i think in the 90s for some work you did right way back uh, yeah the, the webby awards were very early i'm not even sure if they have the webby awards anymore but um <laughs> i think they do yeah i think i remember you know, I, I i haven't won recently if that's any uh any but one, one thing that well, but one one definitely one thing that definitely stood out from um when i was looking at your your bio is you called yourself a, a technological do-it-yourselfer and I'm wondering if that, uh, along with your sense of curiosity, is what you let, let you down this path um, to start to, to, to have an interest in and to start the podcast around uh, smart drugs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always really had an interest in brain stuff and to an extent psychology and just you know anything related to the way that we think and cognition and, and all that. And um, it, you know, the, the podcast kind of came about really organically. Part of it was because of 
the dynamite circle and, and being involved with that group. And, and sort of, I got into that as a, as a technologist, as a guy who has an app company and, yeah. and I was working from my laptop, which was kind of what, um, what that whole thing is about, what that whole community is sort of based around is the location independent work thing. Um, but anyway, in, in the midst of, like that group is, is heavily populated with all these marketing geeks, yeah. um, for lack of a better term. And, you know, it's kind of like when you meet a bunch of people and you like the people and they're all doing this thing. Or like, think of it like playing this sport that you don't know how to play. You, you want to like learn how to play and like, hey, look, I can play too, guys, and stuff like that. And, and so many of these people were doing really interesting things with marketing. And a lot of them had podcasts. And, you know, I, I, I was not a marketing guy. I was not a podcast guy. But I do have kind of, you know, I've always you know, had an interest in some sort of creative output. And I didn't really have that, honestly, in the technology work I was doing because I was doing um, building software for hire. So it's, somebody else would say, hey, Jesse, we need an app that does X, and I would build that app. But um, it wasn't something I had my creative fingerprints on so much. And so anyway, this, that, and the other thing were kind of like, you know what? I should start a podcast. Hmm, what would I be interested enough in to sort of sustain it in the long term? Because, you know, after the at some point it becomes hard work rather yeah. than just be like, Hey, this sounds like a fun weekend project. And, um, the idea of doing something that was based around neurology seemed like it really would be a sustaining interest for me. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm not a neuroscientist or anything like that. So I figured an interview based format would probably be a good idea. And, um, and there, there's qu- quite a few really good, uh, podcasts out there for brain science, but there, there wasn't really anything in this, smart drugs, nootropics world. And I was like, you know what, that might be an interesting place to kind of plant a flag. And, and that's kind of how Smart Drugs Smarts was born. Yeah, it's, uh, I talk to people a lot about this. Uh, the, the beauty of a podcast is that you get to pick a topic that you're interested in, which gives you the ability to then reach out to folks and have conversations on topics uh, that just are of interest to you where you're not necessarily the subject matter expert, but you, you're almost learning with each episode um, based on the, the, the quality of the guests you're bringing in. And it, it almost makes you, and I imagine with a topic, especially like this, like it, it makes you come with your A game because I mean, you're bringing in, you're bringing in uh, some pretty smart people onto these show, folks with a ton of uh, initials after their names. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't done the head count yet. We're up to about 40 episodes, and I'd, I'd say probably 30 of those have PhDs or, or something very equivalent to it. So, um, yeah, so, sometimes I just try to fade into the background. And, you know, it, it's like the, the method of sounding smart by not sounding stupid. It's just, if I let the smart person keep talking, I'm going to sound okay myself by, uh, by proximity. Was there a, a sort of strategy when you first started about how you were going to go after guests? Were you thinking that maybe folks that you were referred to in the beginning was a good place to start? Or maybe you just swing for the fences and just people that you admired or had read about or had some interesting topic that you were interested in were the folks that you wanted to talk to? Yeah, it, well, A, I, I didn't really have much of a sense of whether it was going to be easy or hard to get guests on the show. And, and in a way, it's been... in kind of both. Uh, some of the people, it's been very hard to schedule just because they are, you know, really well sought after A players that, um, you know, just getting their time is tough. Um, but on the other hand, people have been generally really willing to speak. There have been a few people at, um, you know, some like educational institutions that are used to getting speaking fees and, you know, it's, it's a hobby <laughs> podcast. Like I, I can't exactly do that yet. Yeah. Um, you know, m- m- maybe one day, maybe we'll do a, a Kickstarter for speaking fees and then, you know, get anybody we want on the show. But, um, 
but yeah, for the for the most part, I think we've had we've had pretty good luck getting some really heavy hitters, and people have been very uh, very gracious with their time. And also, I guess I should say there's a lot of sort of a lot of guests that we've had haven't been people that interface with the public a huge amount. Some of them are like research scientists, and so for those people. Either they're the shy, bookish type. They're like, oh, I don't really want to talk with the public. Or they're like, oh, my gosh, like the, the general public wants to hear what I have to say. Let me, you know, wax on at length. And, and so, um, yeah, for some people, it's a really nice opportunity. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting dichotomy because you have these folks who are at the top of their game when it comes to things, you know, related to science and neurology and workings of the brain. And yet they still find uh, instances where they're they're kind of either – um, surprised or taken aback or just, um, you know, the fact that the, this whole podcast medium is podcast medium is something that's new, new to them. So it's, it's something that they find pretty interesting, uh, given their background. Yeah, absolutely. I, there, <laughs> I had one guy who thought it, he really thought it was going to be a video interview and he had, he had some lighting set up and he, he, had, he had just had, like, as, as I called him, I just called on a regular Skype call, just press the call button yeah. for, for audio. Cause that's what I do. And it's like, I told him it was an audio podcast. Um, but he, he answered with a video on and somebody was just finishing doing his makeup. <laughs> and, and like, this is a guy who's been, you know, like interviewed on like lots of television shows and kind of like oh, has his whole, his whole spiel down. But, but he, he was definitely, that was the one guest that was like a little bit angry at me. And I could tell the whole interview, <laughs> like, wow, this, this guy's just pissed off. And yeah, he, he was mad because he'd gotten into makeup and then there was no follow through. Who's this guy calling me from his, his mom's basement? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going through uh, some of the shows and uh, and I was uh, led to your Twitter feed. So, uh, by the way, thanks for that link or that new found uh, link to uh, at science porn. It's oh, a- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just yes. I, I just Science added that. Science Porn is a great Twitter feed. It was fantastic, and it's it, it's exactly what the name uh, describes. Whatever the name is, that's exactly what it is. And if for folks who want to geek out on that, I recommend uh, you add that to your your list of uh, tweet uh, twitters to follow because uh, fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so the other thing, I mean, part of part of your background um, has also been, you know, obviously you. Um, for the folks listening on the phone, uh, you want to just let them know where you're calling from in today? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm calling in from uh, beautiful Saigon, Vietnam in Southeast Asia, Indochina time zone. Yeah, so uh, uh, Jesse's it's, been... It's 6.15 a.m. as, as <laughs> yeah, we speak. I was just about to say, you've been more than generous with your time and uh, it, it being pretty early there. And I'm all the way over on, in California, so we've got a pretty big swing. Yeah, well, I, I've lived in California for most of the last 15 years and, and still talk with California. I'd say I spend like 45 minutes of the average day talking with California. So, um, yeah, when you're on this side of the world, you kind of find yourself uh, as an American sort of straddling time zones. You just you learn to do weird things with your schedule. It's like I have late nights, early mornings and oftentimes some naps during the day so I can still interface with the uh, with Americans. Yeah, and I think that's it's it's a testament to the fact that you're able to run both your develop your web development, your app development company, and uh, you you do the podcast. I imagine most of the calls are from there, right? For, from the podcast or the app development for the podcast. Uh no, actually, I mean, honestly, the the podcast is more of sort of a hobby side project. I yeah. haven't you know 
it's not generating income or anything like that. And turns out I need to eat. Um, so, so most of my time and energy is definitely still sort of sprayed in the technology direction. But uh, when you actually take the the Skype calls, or when you when you do the Skype calls, are, are you are you doing them from there? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I use Skype constantly. I use my cell phone so little. Like it's it's really weird. I don't know if this is true of other app developers. That so that mobile apps are. Uh, you know, again, how I earn my daily bread. But I find that I'm on my computer, my laptop, so much yeah. that I really only use my mobile device as a phone. Like, I, I use the apps on my phone far less than I think the average person. But it's, you know, it's like when you're coding apps, like, yeah, I use it to, like, test, test the apps that yeah. I'm working on, but not necessarily, you know, using them. It's like I'm, I'm not checking my Twitter feed on my phone all the time or whatever. Yeah, it becomes it's well. It's it's funny how um, reliable it's been uh, over the past couple of years in terms of Skype calls. I mean, it, it's just normal now that folks have conversations, and you know, in our case, we're we're actually re- recording shows through the audio. We're getting over a Skype connection. It's pretty pretty fantastic. I, I don't know about you, but I find that the audio that I get on a Skype call is way better than when I call somebody and I get their cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. yeah once you start uh, doing international calls, it must get pretty pretty sketchy. Yeah. By the way, I've got something I should tell your audience about you. I I figured out what you're up to. You're calling a bunch of podcasters and interviewing them because you know that they've already figured out their whole audio thing, and you're going to have a nice (laughs) microphone in a quiet environment, and there's no you know refrigerator hum in the background. You're you're exploiting all of us who have already done the hard work. It's like when we call people who aren't podcasters, we've got to be like, okay, is your refrigerator turned off? Is there a cat fight that's going to break out within three feet of your head? you know and all that crap yeah i'm sure you've had a, a bunch of those things happen i've had one connection was which was a, a bit sketchy but uh yeah I, I hadn't thought of that but everyone that i'm calling since i'm focusing on this uh th- this niche is uh folks who so far everyone has has had their podcast it was isn't it was initially meant for uh folks who love podcasts and i would just have a, a variety of guests but i think it's more fun to talk to people who are doing it and just doing it in a bunch of different um, uh, niches, if you will, and just talking yeah. to a bunch of interesting people. Because I think, it's, I just find it fascinating, the conversations that these people are having, um, just out of, you know, probably out of just something that was born out of um, uh, probably a, a desire to learn more about a topic or just a, a curiosity into something that you just want to learn more and, and get to speak to interesting people. So as far as the people that you have, that you've been getting on the show, is there a specific type of guest that you've had more challenges with in terms of booking or are people pretty open when you reach out to them? Um, let's see. That's, that's an interesting question. I, I generally would say that the people that are sort of on the lecture circuit more and that are generally, um, Interfacing with the public a little more are actually harder to book because um, sometimes they'll have, well, you've got to talk with this person and this person before you can you know, get it worked into my schedule. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, but sometimes the guys who aren't getting the phone calls and the interview requests are the ones that are like, oh, yeah, I'm ready next Tuesday. And <laughs> it becomes a little bit easier. Unless people have a book tour going on. If they have a book tour going on, it's, it's very easy to book them. They'll be all over your podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone likes a little free publicity, especially with an upcoming launch. Exactly. You're not starving for guests. You you feel like in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months, you have still a whole list of people that you want to get on the show? 
Yeah, it turns out there's there's a lot going on in neuroscience these days, and that um, that does not seem to be slowing down anytime soon. So, I mean, you know, really just kind of going through, you know, what used to be newspapers and is now, you know, the websites and everything RSS feeds devoted to this kind of stuff. There's there's you know a constant stream of like, ooh, that'd be interesting to find out about, and and then it's just sort of a matter of you know chasing down the people involved. And, you know, the, the first, like, you know, 10 episodes or so, and people are like, well, wait, wait, what's a podcast? Who are you? It's like, your website sucks. You know, yeah. all these things that are, you know, are completely true at the beginning. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to convince people. But at this point, we've got enough of a track record, and we can point to some other people as like, okay, I might suck, but, I mean, look at these guests that I've had <laughs> on. And they're like, okay, all right, well, come on. Well, what's interesting and what I like about your show is that you obviously have a sense of humor and, uh, you know, I always get the feeling that you're really enjoying yourself and you don't take yourself too seriously. And especially those first couple episodes, you're like, well, you know, I'm glad people are are rating the show and I'm glad people are listening and uh, it's really exciting and I'm so happy to be doing this. And that enthusiasm, like a a little kid, like doing something for the first time was was, was coming through, which I thought was really cool because I think that's what you listen for. And that's what adds personality to a show when someone's enthusiastic about what it is they're doing. Cool. Well, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I forget who said this. I should probably attribute this idea, but, um, you know, the interesting thing with a podcast is, you know, you have a, a very successful podcast these days if you have like, you know, 100,000 people listening to it. But when you think about the fact that you're literally broadcasting to the entire world, 100,000, while it would be an incredible audience for a podcast, is a very, very small slice of the people. And, and so you kind of figure that like anybody's personality, whoever you are, you're going to probably click with, you know, some marginal percent of people. And you just kind of need to put your own personality on your show, I think, and keep doing that thing. And some people are going to, you know, turn on the Jesse Lawler podcast and like, I hate this guy. I can't stand him. Let's switch to the next thing. But, you know, there's whatever that subset is that, you know, 0.03% of people that like my personality, if they find the show, because I keep doing it enough times, they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll keep listening to this guy. It's like, for whatever reason, he clicks with me. And I kind of feel like, you know, just that, that simple numbers game is what makes podcasting so powerful. Yeah, it's what they call uh, the the long tail. The fact that you, if you niche out uh, far enough, you'll, you're going to find like a small uh, population of core listeners. In this case, who really vibe with what you're saying, and then just little by little, the audience starts to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that to be the case. And how how do you feel? Do you see your or do do you see the show getting more feedback as you continue on? Um, and you said you're up to about uh, forty episodes, I believe, right? And do you, is the is the feedback increasing from folks who who are listening? Yeah, I'd say as far as like number of emails per week, and we've got a we got a speak pipe thing on the website. I mean, yeah. that, that has been sort of creeping up. I mean, there's a ton of things like my list of things to do on Smart Drug Smarts that I know I really should do that I haven't done yet is is quite long. Um, I would like to get like a good autoresponder sequence and things like that when people you know sign up. So there's you know lots of you know value bombs being dropped on them from other directions, and you know they have more of a reason to you know active on the website rather than just listening to the podcast. And, you know, there, there's a bunch of these like known best practices yeah. that I just really haven't had the time or attention to do yet. I'm just you know, trying to kind of put out the, the audio version of the show once a week or so. Um, I don't even remember what question I was answering there. <laughs> no, uh, just if, if the feedback was increasing as the oh, popularity of the show uh, increases. Yeah, I, I think the feedback is increasing. I feel like it probably 
would and, and could and probably should be increasing even more if I was um, putting a little bit more, you know, full-time attention towards it or, or even really part-time attention to it. It's a, um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, nights and occasional weekends project at this point. I, what I noticed was uh, I'm usually pretty good about understanding where I am in, in a, in a podcast in terms of what episodes, but uh, what I, what I realized about yours is that you don't number your episodes. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I, I you know, I, th I think I generally say the episode number in the very introduction line. In the introduction line. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah but I, sh I should get that on the website. I should get that on the website. Yeah, so typically it's in like the title of the podcast. So it's like zero, zero, one, zero, zero, two, blah, blah, blah. And then and then when you, when you get to 9.99, it's a nice problem to have that you'll have to. Yeah, yeah. Have. Okay, that's going on the to-do list. I'm, I'm jotting notes here. <laughs> at, at stuff to do. So, so something that I find uh, interesting is that um, early on you had uh, some people giving you feedback about one of your your guests. I think it was the the woman from NeuroOptimal, and and the feedback you got was uh, that you you should have gone like a I guess a bit tougher with the questions you were asking her. You remember that? Yeah, I, I, I do remember that. I'm trying to remember the specifics so I don't misquote anything. But yeah, th there were there were a couple of questions. Um, and, and I think the problem maybe in that episode is that ultimately the person I wound up speaking with was sort of the neurooptimal marketing person rather than the like the, the scientist who had built the system. And and so some of the answers from kind of a uh, you know how does this darn thing actually work? Um, what, what they have is a um. Uh, shucks, what's it called? A neurofeedback system. And there's several sort of subsets, sub subtypes of how neurofeedback works. Um, but anyway, so, some of the answers just weren't, they didn't sound scientifically credible, which yeah. isn't to say that there wasn't a good answer. It's just that she didn't give a good answer on the show. And I didn't kind of like maybe jump on her a bit more and say like, look, I really need a better answer than what you just said. And, um, and, and yeah, a couple of people jumped on that on the, uh, on the website and like, Hey, Jesse, why, why'd you check it out on actually asking a real question there? And I was like, Hey, sorry guys, this is only my fourth podcast. I don't know what the hell I'm doing yet. So did, have you found that in terms of your, your interview style that, um, you will occasionally, uh, go for a question that might be a bit controversial now? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to think about what I would want to ask next. I mean, you know, it, you kind of have to almost try to forget that the audience is there and pretend that you're like at a dinner party where everybody's had a few glasses of wine and conversations <laughs> flowing freely and, and like you're trying to you know get the information out of people that they might not necessarily say if they were standing at a podium, but they're uh, but they're more confiding in you. If, if you feel like that there's you know something like that there, if there's some you know, juicy piece of whatever. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I definitely try to to milk the best information that I can, both you know for myself as well as the audience, because I want to know. I mean, the whole point of of doing the thing is to sort of uh, you know solve my own curiosity as to what's going on with our brains and what we could be doing with them that maybe we're not already. Yeah, and I think that's a fascinating fascinating aspect of this medium is that you know if you if you let the conversation go on for you know sometimes twenty thirty minutes, uh, some of mine have gone on for an hour. Um, it was something that Joe Rogan mentioned in his podcast, but the longer a conversation goes, the more of a feel you get for how, you know, quote unquote, real this person is or how genuine they're being with the answers. Because you can almost BS people for a couple of minutes, like on these right. on these uh, news radio shows where they have someone come on for a soundbite about a certain topic and you get the, the left, this left side and the right side arguing. But 
if you left them there to talk for a good 45 minutes to, to an hour, I, I bet it'd be quite a different conversation. Exactly. And just so your audience knows, I ran out of my talking points 10 minutes into this interview. So I've been ad-libbing for the last 15 minutes. That's the whole point. I mean, I want people to feel like, uh, you know, they just ran into uh, Jesse and Harry uh, shooting the shit, talking, having a conversation. Totally. Oh, yeah. and, and we can use profanity on you this can. show. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that's what real people do. I mean, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. normal people talk like that. So I, I, I think we might have dropped a couple of SH bombs on, uh, <laughs> on Smart Drug Smarts, but it's just been pretty family friendly so far. Yeah, I haven't made a concerted effort to label it as explicit because I don't think anything has gone above and beyond. But I, I did have a couple of guests <laughs> who were uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty liberal with with, with their with their uh, f bombs. So nice. How much research are you doing now? Because I, I get the sense when I listen that you you're coming you're coming into these conversations well prepared um, to at least get through you know uh, a good chunk of the time with specific questions you have for them on the topic. Uh, of of the episode, and I'm just wondering how much of that of that time um, you put in prior to each show. Yeah, I mean, I try to you know generally the interview is spawned from a particular article or a particular study that the guest has been somehow involved in, and so I, I'll always you know read that article, read that study, and, and try to sort of read around the topic a little bit, so I'm you know not coming at it from a, a com- complete dolts perspective. And, and, you know, there's always like little tidbits that you find that like, Ooh, that's interesting. I wish they'd written more about that in the article or, um, or I didn't understand that part of the study because some scientific studies can be quite dense and, and sort of written in, in a fairly unapproachable manner for, for a layperson. So, um, you know, I, I almost always have like sort of five or 10 question ideas or question stubs that, you know, we can kind of go through in whatever order. I mean, there's never really a pre-formatted, you know, some, sometimes people have asked me, Jesse, can you give me the exact question list in the exact question order? And, you know, when when people have asked, I've kind of done it, but I I try to, I try to keep the conversation as much of a conversation as possible. Um, If if only so we can run down sort of side streets within the conversation that seem like they're going to be interesting or worthwhile. Yeah, because if you give them the question beforehand, they'll have had time to formulate, I think, what the answer they want to give that they want the audience to hear, which, you know, yeah, if, you, if, yeah. you, if you, if you ask them spont- spontaneously or you had off the cuff or after a couple glasses of wine, the answer might be something different. Although, you know, I, I kind of give these scientists a little bit of credit in that for them, it might be more that they really want to brush up on the minutia of their topic, which is like this super yeah. dense stuff. So, it's like think about you know being the professor, the PhD, the whatever, the, like with all the the weight of responsibility of sounding like a smart person all the time, and you're going to be coming on this show where you're supposed to talk extemporaneously with some dude, and <laughs> and like I, I could very much see kind of being nervous about like oh what if I sound like an idiot or they edit me to make me sound like an idiot or right. I, I do sound like an idiot and they don't edit me to make me sound better or whatever um, that seems like a pretty legitimate fear. Um, for some people to possibly have. And so I don't mind giving people kind of the ballpark of, of the questions. That we're gonna, I mean, generally, they know what we're going to be talking about. because, like the topic for this show is X because you did this study on X. And that's what we want to talk to you about. So it's never going to be a big surprise. I mean, we're not like, where were you on the night of September 15th? <laughs> and you're talking about a topic that, I mean, supposedly they they I don't know if they know like the, 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 the back of their hand, but they're, they're pretty well versed in it before before they're coming on. They ought to be. Yeah. 
Well, I, I just want, wanted to uh, give you uh, props for that because I, I, I definitely think you have your work cut out for you. But I guess part of it is that you, it's, a, it's a topic that you enjoy. So it probably doesn't feel like too much work and you're probably um, excited about the opportunity to get, get to talk to these folks. Totally. And, and you know what? You just reminded me of something that, that popped into my head about 10 minutes ago when we were talking. And then I forgot about it. I was like, I had a question. But uh, so, you know, like I, I'm one of the you know, podcasters who's just like a person who started a podcast. Yeah. Um, but then there's also a lot of these podcasts that are like, and, and I feel like this is more the, the, the podcasts of three years ago where um, like there is a group funding a podcast like, you know, IBM has declared there should be a podcast about how to proper use of the computer keyboard yeah. and things like that. And I, I remember when I, when I was first kind of became aware of the genre and was look, listening to it, there was a lot of these professional podcasts that you could tell somebody was like, their nine to five job, at least involved, if not was entirely like you will publish two podcasts per month. Um, have, have you interviewed yet any of those people? And like, what do you find as, as a podcast junkie, a self-described <laughs> podcast junkie? Like, uh, how would you characterize some of the differences between a podcast like mine from like a you know, citizen podcaster versus the, the professional podcaster who's sort of been hired to do it? Well, the folks that I have, I have spoken to a, a couple of folks who would probably be considered podcast pioneers. Uh, Elsie Escobar, she started uh, podcasting in 2006, and she's the community manager for Libsyn, which is mm -hmm. a pr pretty popular hosting platform. That was a fantastic uh, conversation, and she just, you know, at some point was speaking her mind about the, the, the similarity of all these podcasts coming up because they're all going through the same training regimen. And so they're all taught to say the same thing before the show, after the show, during the show, ask for the reviews and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> right, right. And so, I mean, she had a valid point there. And then I just, my last episode was with, um, Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast. And he's been podcasting since 2007 and he's, he started out pretty much the same way he had a show called the ramen noodle which is like a clean comedy podcast and mm -hmm. you can just tell when you hear those first couple of episodes that it's just him turning on the mic and let's see what happens so i mean uh, um i have spoken to folks who've been doing broadcasting for a while jeff brown was broadcasting for 26 years and now he's got a podcast called read to lead where he interviews uh authors um, but you, you just listen to his voice and you're like, man, this guy has got the voice because he's got nice. that, <laughs> that deep, you know, baritone, like, uh, WQAT downtown it's Los like, Angeles or something. Quit whatever you're doing and start doing movie trailers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's probably can get away with doing some, um, voiceover work. So it's funny because a lot of people, um, you know, I'm calling this like a little bit of a new Renaissance and I think the, the, older podcasters say no it's so we've always been around we've been doing this for years there's no new rebirth it's just been here you you folks just haven't been aware of it and they get they get a little defensive when i right. <laughs> when i say it's, it's sort of a rebirth but but i think it is and i guess it's interesting because everyone pays attention to folks like adam carolla right because he's he had the the radio show and then he got uh, laid off and then he started a podcast and now he's this is kind of corny but they, there's supposedly like the, the 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 they call them the four horsemen of, of podcasting or something like that it's like adam carolla mark marin leo laporte and uh, one more person i'm gonna forget that i probably should know that being a podcast junkie but yeah i mean these are the folks who have like the the real 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 like podcast pioneers who were doing it yeah. literally from 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 day one so it's interesting awesome um yeah i i think you know um 
the point that the Libsyn community manager made about there being sort of a format that a lot of people are, are sort of falling into and like the, the paint by the numbers podcast style. It, she's probably exactly right about that, but it's probably only the people that listen to a substantial number of podcasts that would ever kind of see the, some of that similarity. It's like, I, I'm not sure that your average, even your average listener of podcasts, how many podcasts they're really listening to where they would start to see some of these, um, you know, genre commonalities. It's true because I, I mean, I listen to a ton. I, I, it's funny because well, you have to. <laughs> the irony is that I I listen to fewer as I realize how much work it is to get a, pub, a pod a podcast published and out the door every week. Yeah, and uh, it's so funny because like, there's been episodes where you're like, okay, I'm back on schedule. We're going weekly now. I'm I'm everything set. I've got everything in place now. I'm so excited. And then like a month goes by, and then you hear it's like you you could you hear yourself sheepishly <laughs> sheepishly sheepishly getting back on the microphone, and be like. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I, that thing I said about publishing weekly, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> that was a complete lie. Yeah. Um, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. I did, in fact, record an episode just last night before I went to bed. I'll, I'll tell your listeners, your listeners in case uh, this episode of your show comes out before my episode of that show, but it's about beetroot juice. Apparently, beetroot juice has some anti-dementia properties, so that'll be a I, that that actually is episode number forty. I said we're up to forty episodes because we have that one in the can, yeah. but it hasn't has has not yet been published. You can you can take this. Heard it here first. Yeah, you can take the snippet. Stay tuned. Uh, smart drug smarts upcoming show. The benefits of beetroot juice. That's exactly. That, that's a sexy topic. Better for your brain than to spill on your shirt. Do you find yourself interesting? Do you find yourself going into topics that are tangentially related? to brain optimization because something like beetroot juice sounds like it would be better suited for the smoothie show. Um, it, very true. Um, yeah, I'd say maybe about like 50% of episodes are kind of like on topic of like, this is a pharmaceutical product that, you know, directly helps your brain. And, and 50% of them are kind of like nibbling around the edges on things that are probably of interest to a nootropic crowd, but aren't necessarily directly about nootropics themselves. You know, we had a, um, an interview with Sebastian Marshall about quantified self stuff, which again, you know, that it's not specifically yeah. nootropic at all, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's kind of going to appeal, I think to the same crowd. That one was interesting because he talked about, um, what was it that he was using? Um, like a, one of um, the nootropics. Oh man, I forgot. Oh. It's so funny. The the, the, the irony is like we forget stuff, and we're on the talking about the topic of smart drug smarts. And that, that episode was like a year ago, yeah. though. So I think yeah. <laughs> wasn't uh, no, it wasn't uh, the other one that's pretty common that folks use with uh, very few side effects. Yeah, well, Adderall is not one that has very few side effects. Yeah. Um, perhaps he was was he talking about modafinil? Modafinil, or modafinil. Yeah, modafinil. Okay. Yeah, he was, he was on modafinil. I've heard really good things about that. I'm a modafinil fan. It's probably my, I, I would arguably say it's my favorite smart drug. Um, although, you know, it's, it, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, modafinil you can feel, so there's like a... Yeah. Um, you know, an actual like, you know, feedback mechanism, whereas you take something like fish oil, you can't feel it. But on the other hand, the, the science is pretty clear that it's doing good things for you. So you can smell it. it. Uh, you, you can smell it. Yeah. And it <laughs> burp up fish all day. It's like mm, gross. Uh, it's um, 
Yeah, I've I've had good results with um, the paracetam. It's it's my first foray into it, and I, like I said, I was tempted to go down the route when I was on the Longevity. <laughs> I'm not going to get that right, no matter how much I try. The, for, the forum that starts with an L. Yeah, the L forum, and uh, and I was I was at the point even where I was like, okay, I can buy the because they tell you buy the capsule makers and then buy the bulk powder, and then you can kind of like shake all the stuff up. And I'm like, I'm this is going to look like an episode of Breaking Bad if anyone ever comes into my house. It's, it's, totally. <laughs> so and when I came across the folks from uh, True Brain, it seems like they'd done their homework and they they've got the stack pretty much nailed down and they continue to improve it so uh, i was pretty happy and i think so i definitely noticed like a, a um results from it when i when i use it during uh during the week i i, I like it a lot yeah I, I think i mean there's a lot of those sort of combination supplements the true brains the alpha brains and i mean I, you know they've all got good research behind them and you know th- their exact mix of what they have in them one might be a little different than the other but um uh, on the other hand, I, th- I think when you get to the point where you're buying your own capsule maker and you're you're doing your exact own mix in a couple microns of difference one way or another, you're, you're probably just kind of geeking out at that point, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think having so many folks in this space now doing, um, you know, creating these these premixed um, stacks and creating these companies, I, I think it, it all bodes well for the nootropic um, movement, if you will, because I think it's making more people aware of them. It's kind of getting it out of like the closet of like this behind, you know, in, uh, closed doors. People are mixing these these strange formulas to try to like experiment on their brain, and it, it, they're becoming just something you could just pick up. You know, Alpha Brain on on you can order Alpha Brain on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's something that's definitely gaining a lot more public awareness and probably will continue to do so. And, and on the other hand, I mean, there, there's so many other, you know, really interesting brain technologies, some of which are like, you know, the, the wearable computing sort of stuff like um, transcranial direct current stimulation and things like that, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the, you know, the next you know, 10, 20 years, these start to really become more effective for people than than smart drugs per se. I, I still, you know, I have this idea, um, you know, not my idea, but I, I ha- there's an idea that I very much agree with, which is that in the not terribly distant future, the ability to, um, or the, the fact that we're currently applying a drug across our entire bloodstream to affect certain parts of the body is just going to seem completely barbaric. It's going to be like, you know, bleeding people because they had, you know, bad humors in the the 15th century and stuff like that. It's just going to be like, wait a minute, there was like a couple cells in a person's brain that needed to have this drug. So you dosed their entire bloodstream with this stuff. That's just ridiculous. That's that's what we do. That's an interesting uh, perspective because Obviously, we're taking advantage of the the transportation system, right? The 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 blood to transport it to the the parts of the of the the brain, if you will, in this example that that need it the most. But what you, what you're envisioning is a is a time in the future where it's an exact application of the exact drug and the exact dose to the parts of you know the brain or other parts of the body if it's targeting something else. Um, to tackle the specific issue that you're having a challenge with. Yeah, I mean, the, the way we do it now is like, okay, you know, there's an escaped murder suspect and he fled to Canada. We know he's in Canada somewhere. It's like, okay, let's just 
genocide everybody in Canada. It's like, you know, it, it sounds preposterous in any other context, but, but that's kind of what we do. Yeah, it's funny because uh, the example you just gave was that of the, the bleeding, which was apparently a, a well-known and a well-received therapy back in, back in the day. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, the statistic is that until about, you know, 1900, you, your chances of like being killed by your doctor rather than being helped by your doctor were substantially on the side of you will stay healthier if you avoid doctors your whole life. Don't see one. Just keep away. Like doctors should be on the no list. And, it, and it, you know, it's, so just a little over 100 years that things have tipped in the favor of actually listening to a medical practitioner. Yeah, it seems like the pendulum has swung all the way where now it's like, ask your doctor if this is safe for you. And then you go ask your doctor and they're like, of course it's safe. Of course I'm going to prescribe this this prescription medicine for you because that's what the rep who came into my office 10 minutes ago was uh, pushing and that's what I'm going to get the highest profit on. So that's, of course, what you're going to get. I, I, I would be quite as cynical as that. I think most people that go into medicine are are really looking to do the absolute best they can for people. But on the other hand, I think the, the medical education system is highly funded by and, and sort of tilted towards teaching doctors how to, how to prescribe things and, and what to prescribe and keeping caught up on the literature of what sort of prescription medications are available. So, you know, it, I, I don't think it's that doctors are being evil or duplicitous or, or trying to, uh, there's just, there's so much to know. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a ridiculously broad field. It's like, you know, you could have the smartest 10 people in the world and they couldn't know everything about medicine. It's just, it's, it's so dense and there's so much stuff that you need to specialize somewhere. And it's just that the, the medical education system, uh, very much encourages the specialization of, um, you know, pharmaceutical application. Yeah. And I think one of the comments that you made on the, on your website was that, uh, your anticipation of the social tide continuing to turn in the favor of uh, neural enhancers. And so I think the benefit is going to be the benefit that it's providing to folks and and their brains in this example is I think just inevitably going to outweigh the the cost and people are going to see that uh, there there is value um, in trying some of these. And I guess everyone's going to have to make their own own decision um, of whether it works for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. There's always these short-term, long-term trade-offs, uh, you know, whether it's a matter of hours and weeks or it's a matter of, you know, weeks and years, whatever it is. That, I mean, is is the, you know, modafinil that I'm doing today going to have some sort of, you know, detrimental effect 50 years from now? Nobody knows because modafinil hasn't been around for 50 years. It's like they haven't done those studies. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, we've got so many conflicting factors now where there's so many new things about the world and the world that we live in and the things that we're exposed to now and in the way that people spend giant swaths of their time that it's like we've got you know 60 experiments running on every one of us simultaneously and and reducing the noise from all those variables all of which are new things it's like well, you know, our generation of people is exposed to sitting at computers for eight hours a day and we're exposed to these new chemicals in the environment and we're exposed to a diet that where 70% of the average American's calories come from a combination of corn, wheat and soy. And that's a new thing. And like, you know, so there's all these simultaneous things going on and, and being able to cut through the noise and say definitively, oh, this factor does this thing. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about that, it's whew. 
yeah, it you, doesn't sound realistic, does it? No. And, um, you know, you can't really, it's, it's a combination of things. Obviously it's the environment, it's what you're taking in, it's your diet and it's uh, every, what, what worked for one person and, and what turns out to be benefit beneficial, um, for one person to enhance their, their cognition, you know, you could give that same stack to the person next to you and, and they might not feel anything, which is funny. Completely true. I mean, you mentioned paracetam. I've tried paracetam from a couple different sources on several loca- or several uh, several times, and I just I've never felt it. And you know, the the, the data is there. It's supposed to be you know a good nootropic that that some people can can feel a subjective effect from, and it's supposed to be like a you know long term neuroprotective agent. But I just I mean, for, for me, some people rave about paracetam. I'm like, I I just never felt this stuff. It's for me, it's you know, it could be fish oil, it could be placebo, it could be vitamin C. It's just not something that I. I feel it all. Now, yeah. it's, it's sibling chemical aniracetam. I definitely can feel, which is interesting. But, but I, yeah, there's just individual differences between all of us. And the whole, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, the whole racetam family, and I don't know if it's solely paracetam, but that's actually one of the ones that's been um, in use for the longest period of time from, from a yeah. no- nootropic perspective. Yeah, paracetam is maybe the, the great granddaddy of the nootropics as far as how long it's been in use. Um, there have been a lot of sort of spin-off chemicals. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got like probably 10 different racetams now, yeah. oxyracetam and, you know, just weird stuff. It, it all sounds like a bunch of like things that kids would put on zit cream or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, paracetam is probably 40, maybe 50 years in use, if I remember. Yeah. So that's it's got a decent track record and... So far, uh, waiting to see if there's been any adverse effects. But I, I think to date, uh, with that extended period of usage, um, so far everything we're hearing is, is that its long-term use is, is okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything is going to depend on you know the amounts and frequency of application. But ch- chances are, uh, I'd say ninety-nine percent of your listeners are are putting something into their body on a daily basis that's far worse for them than paracetams. <laughs> that's true. The, what, what the listeners should know also, if they haven't listened to the Smart Drug Smarts podcast, is that Jesse Lawler is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that he's bringing you the most cutting-edge information, If that, even if that means taking tons of paracetam uh, on his own in a live uh, on-air on experimentation. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I appreciate the hat tip. I actually dosed a friend of mine. It wasn't me that took the hyperdose of paracetam. Yeah, that's so. right. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, it was interesting because um, you're like, okay, we've got the uh, as the the to be un, unnamed friend who will be taking uh, a huge dose. I, I think if I remember correctly, it was eight grams of paracetam. Yeah, it was something huge. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly how much it was, but um. But yeah, it definitely qualified. I mean, it was still within the safety limits of what people said was, you know, not people, what, what scientists said yeah. was like the, the upper limit human threshold. But it, it was more than, a, more than a reasonable dose. And uh, to, to, with, with shockingly little consequences. <laughs> to be, like, yeah, and, and uh, to be completely upfront, you were, wherever you were doing it, it was... You weren't breaking any any laws, from what I understand. Yeah, no, yeah. it was uh, it was actually <laughs> completely legal. I, I had another friend who, <laughs> such a silly story. Um, he he ordered some modafinil, and for some reason, I can't remember the reason. It was kind of a reason that kind of made sense when he explained it, but not really. Uh, he just he didn't. He thought that they were each fifty milligram 
capsules and that he wanted to try a 200 milligram dose, but they were 200 milligram capsules. And so he took an 800 milligram dose, which he'd, he'd, and he'd never taken this stuff before. (laughs) And an 800 milligrams of modafinil is a lot of modafinil. That's, um, I, I think that like, even when the U S military is putting like helicopter pilots that need to fly for like 36 hours straight on it, they're giving them something like 600 milligrams over the course of like 30 hours. So this guy did 800 milligrams at a pop and it was, he was like running through walls, like, um, you know, in like a Bugs Bunny cartoon and leaving like the perfect hole shaped like Bugs Bunny in the wall behind him and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, anyway, so be, be careful. Don't, don't try this at home kids. Yeah. Unless anyone think that more is better. He did not turn into the, uh, Bradley Cooper character from, uh, from, uh, Limit, yeah, from Limitless, Limitless. Limitless, so. yeah, Limitless, that movie has probably done more for the public awareness of uh, nootropics than just about anything else. Yeah, uh, I, I found it fascinating when I saw it. So, um, so getting towards uh, the, the top of the hour and definitely appreciate the time you've uh, given folks and, uh, and the listeners of the show. So um, what, what, what has got you excited about what's coming up on the horizon um, around the podcast? Oh, let's see. Um, again, a lot, a lot of big plans for what I want to be doing with the podcast in, in this, this current year. I want to get a smart drug smarts app out because I do have an app company. It kind of seems silly that we haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's in the drawing boards. We have the designs just need to actually, uh, get the coding worked out. Um, what else? I'm still excited. I mean, there, there's, uh, several nootropic, uh, drugs that I kind of am curious to try myself that I just, haven't yet had a chance to. Um, sulbuthiamine is a big one on yeah. my list. On my kind of th- things to get my hands on when I get the chance list. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just you know super excited to continue doing it. Keep kind of playing around in this weird world. What one of the the questions I've been asking recently is uh, as you think about all the work that's gone into the podcast and and what you've got in front of you. Um, it, you know, it takes a lot of effort to to do this show, um, week in, week out, or, you know, as, as often as you do it. So if I were to ask you why it is that you continue to do the show, um, what would you say? I'd say for my own curiosity's sake is, is definitely kind of high up there. And, and then knowing that there's, you know, an audience out there that's listening and it's kind of, you know, expecting the next episode and you know i get some hey yeah i definitely have gotten the emails like hey jesse it's been a while since the last episode what's going on and and just um and i appreciate those little reminders from people so you know even if i was suddenly bored with nootropics which is is very unlikely i think um there'd be a little bit of of peer pressure fan pressure whatever it is uh to to keep me pumping them out well, um, I, I think you're definitely providing a service because it, it's that bridge in between the, the highly technical nature of what the topic is and uh, putting it in layman's terms, if you will. And I've, I've found it tremendously entertaining, and I definitely hope you, you stay on a regular schedule because uh, I'll, be, I'll be listening. Cool, man. Well, thank you so very much. And yeah, thanks for having me on this show. It's been great. Okay. And uh, for folks to track you down online, what's the best way? Uh, easiest thing is smartdrugsmarts.com or my Twitter handle. Uh, my last name is L-A-W-L-E-R, which is pronounced Lawler. And uh, so Lawler Palooza is my Twitter handle if people are Twitter folks. Okay, folks, uh, check them out. Highly recommended. The show is uh, very interesting and it's good for your brain as well. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Thanks so much, Harry. Bye-bye. Okay. 
So thanks again to Jesse, who did us a big favor and got up extra early. I believe it was six o'clock in the morning when he was getting started in Vietnam, which I think is fantastic. It's also a testament to that uh, mobile, location-independent, entrepreneurial spirit that allows him to do that, to run his businesses from there. And I think it's freaking fantastic. Much as I anticipated, the interview was chock full of good information and some new things that you may not have heard of before. So I'll put those all in the show notes, podcastjunkies.com slash 13. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the folks who have been reviewing the podcast, the, some feedback that I've been getting on the Facebook group, via Twitter, even emails. So it's all very, very good uh, feedback. And I'm, I'm really appreciative, guys. I, I know I sound like a broken record, but this is uh, a labor of love. Uh, I love talking to these folks. I love lining up these interviews for you. I want to make them different and I want to make the conversations stand out. So I can only do that with your feedback and letting me know what works, what doesn't, what bores you, what uh, irks you and all sorts of feedback like that. So keep it coming. It's very, very much appreciated. And I'll just continue hammering away at this. And again, if you've got suggestions for guests as well, uh, folks you think I, I would vibe with and have a good conversation with, let me know. Uh, shoot me an email, feedback at podcastjunkies.com. As always, um, you can give a rating uh, and leave some comments in the show notes below if you're so inclined. And uh, if you're interested in some productivity hacks that I've used to put together this podcast, check out the link on the website or just go to podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools. Thanks again, guys. And no, we didn't forget this episode's song. I think we're trying to be a little more i am trying to be a little more conscious of posting stuff without having the proper rights so what i'm going to try this week is to tell you what the track is it's chad van galen i hope i pronounced that right and the track is called frozen paradise and it's uh the track that uh george provided uh for this week and it's really a great track i so what I'd ask you to do this episode is actually check it out in the show notes. There's a link, there's an embedded player there, uh, so that keeps everything on the up and up, and you can comment on the track there as well. All right, have a fantastic weekend, or week, or day, or month, or year. See you guys. See you guys.